Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. Our world is chaotic in so many ways. Everywhere you look, there's brokenness caused by sin. In today's message, Pastor J.D. will share with you a prophetic timeline of key Bible prophecies. He'll remind you to put your hope in Jesus during these challenging times and know that He's coming soon. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on March 14, 2021. What we can surmise from the details in just these verses here in Ezekiel 38 is that this invasion happens when Israel seems to be dwelling in peace and security. It's for this reason, though I'm not dogmatic, that this specific prophecy may likely be fulfilled after the seven-year peace agreement is confirmed. Another reason is because of the detail in verse 13 about Saudi Arabia and the Gulf states, which I personally believe is perfectly posturing them in preparation by way of the Abraham Accords. On Monday, this is, this last week, (laughs) this is stunning. I don't know how else to say it. This last week was one of those weeks where I had just the volume of material was such that I, I, there was no way that I could get to it all two days. So I kind of put it aside and Lord willing, maybe we'll revisit it. But as fast as things are moving, I I know next week's not going to be any slower. (laughs) So, but this is stunning. It's a report from Israel Today about how the Saudis are saying that the Temple Mount and the Al-Aqsa Mosque are not important to Islam. The subheading reads, In further departure from Palestinian narrative, Saudis recognize Jewish connection to the Temple Mount. Listen to these uh, excerpts. According to a bunch of Saudis and the other Middle East Arabs, my people, (laughs) on social media, the Temple Mount and even gasp (gasps) Al-Aqsa itself aren't all that holy to them. Last week on Twitter, Saudis conducted a campaign 
promoting Islam's true holy sites, Mecca and Medina, both of which of course are in Saudi Arabia, much to the consternation of Shiite Islam in Iran. So those are the true holy sites, Mecca and Medina, while downplaying the importance of Jerusalem in their religion. Gasp is an understatement. Can I just do that gasp again? <gasps> One of the more viral tweets was posted by Saudi cartoonist Fahd al-Jabiri, who wrote that, quote, the direction of the prayers of the Jews is not important to us. What is important to us is only our homeland by referencing the direction of the prayers of the Jews, Al-Jabiri implicitly recognized the Jewish connection to the Temple Mount, thus contradicting the Palestinian narrative on the matter. An English language tweet by a man from Morocco named Ibtissam really got people heated when he not only emphasized that the Temple Mount <laughs> is of no particular importance to Muslims like himself, but then went on to express his hope that the third Jewish temple will soon be built there. There were a flood of tweets expressing support and even love for Israel. Most were in Arabic, but the few in English were no less heartwarming. One reacted to a previous tweet calling Jerusalem the occupied Palestinian capital. The Saudi <laughs> corrected the original by noting that Jerusalem is actually the eternal capital of the Jewish people. This dovetails into number five on our list, which is the abomination that causes desolation taking place in the rebuilt third temple. Again, this prophecy presupposes that the rebuilding of the third Jewish temple will somehow be a part of the seven-year peace agreement, which I truly believe it will be. And the reason is that the temple must be there at the midpoint of the seven-year tribulation in order for the sacrifices to stop and the abomination that causes desolation to take place. So I really believe that this will be the deal, that will be part of the deal. Hey, you can have your temple. Where do we sign? And the question becomes, how long will it take them? Oh, not long. Do they have everything? Yeah. What are you thinking? Just a ballpark estimate. 90 days? Maybe even 60 days. What? Yeah, as soon as they get the green light, they can rebuild that temple, some believe, in about 60 days. 90 days tops. How's that one? Last week I mentioned a video that Pastor Ray Bentley of Maranatha Chapel in San Diego sent me, and we're going to include the link again this week. I would really encourage you, if you haven't already, 
to take the time to watch it. It is a must-see. In it, he talks about the fulfillment of prophecy vis-a-vis the Abraham Accords and how that Israel and the UAE slash Saudi Arabia very soon are looking at the possibility of constructing a massive Israeli canal project. Stay with me. Pictured here is a map showing the existing Israeli oil pipeline in solid red, the proposed Red Med Canal in the black dash line, and the proposed oil pipeline from Saudi Arabia to Haifa in the red dash line, which goes through, of all places, the Jezreel Valley, aka Megiddo, the Valley of Armageddon, where that final battle, the Battle of Armageddon, will take place. Let me just say at this juncture that I truly believe the hook that God is going to put in the jaw of this alliance of nations with Russia, Iran, and Turkey at the helm, it's going to be the oil and the natural gas and this pipeline. Did you know that about 90% of the economy, particularly in Russia, comes from oil? I know I mentioned this last week, and I don't want to take too much time on it, but uh, that's what's going to bring them. It's going to be this. And oh, by the way, this is why Saudi Arabia says, uh, what, why are you guys doing this? Are you coming to take the beautiful oil pipeline we built there and uh, take that from, uh, oh, that's why. And, they, and that's why they protested. Well, I mentioned it again this week because Ray sent me episode two. And this one is about the rebuilt third temple. I don't want to sound or come off sensational. I'll be as calm as I possibly can, which by the way goes very much against my nature. But everything we're told in Scripture is happening now. It's happening now. Everything's ready to go. So on Sunday the Jerusalem Post published an article titled, An Israeli Suez Canal. Listen to these quotes. In technological terms, Israel has always been absurdly ambitious, irrigating its desert, designing microprocessors, developing drones, shooting down rockets, being by far the smallest country to launch its own satellites. Israel is a superpower of science and engineering, Ezekiel 38. So, proposing Israel undertake absurdly complex infrastructure projects isn't altogether absurd. Israel is working with China to build a railway from Eilat to the Mediterranean. It's intended to serve as an overland alternative to the Suez Canal. A trans-Israel canal would be incredible, and an incredibly difficult undertaking. But Israel is equipped to handle it. Israel itself was incredible, and an incredibly difficult undertaking. That's because God did it. 
Israel's economy, its roles in the energy market, in world trade, in globalizing technology are expanding every day. It's time for Israel to make itself a two-ocean nation. Why do I emphasize this? Because the description of Israel in Ezekiel 38 is the description of Israel today. They're prosperous. They found a lot of oil, a lot of natural gas. That's why they're doing all this. And it has aroused the ire of the likes of Russia, Iran, and Turkey because of it, exactly as God's Word said it would be. Well, let's keep moving. All of this has profound prophetic implications specifically concerning the aforementioned prophecy in Ezekiel. And it also has profound prophetic implications concerning Revelation chapter 16 verses 14 through 16, which is number seven on our list. It's the battle of Armageddon, which is, I believe, we're not told specifically, but it does seem that it would be towards the end of the seven-year tribulation, like the battle of Gog is towards the beginning of the seven-year tribulation. You can see both battles as bookends on the seven-year tribulation. And I also believe, according to the book of Revelation, that at the end of the seven-year tribulation, when the battle of Armageddon takes place, it will usher in number eight on our list, which is the second coming of Jesus Christ. And that's how it's all going to go down. Now, I know what you're thinking. You can read your mind. Just give me a second here. Pastor, you skipped number six on the list, which is the mark of the beast. Oh, how clever are you? The mark of the beast just happens to be the number six on your list. I'm not that clever. Don't be impressed. Well, I didn't skip it deliberately. Actually, I did skip it deliberately for a reason. And we're going to talk about it now and for the remainder of our time, because it's going to, I believe, I hope anyway, tie everything together concerning these prophecies. So I want to refer you to two more videos, the first of which is the January 10th update titled Decision Time, and the second is Decision Time 2. And in both videos we go into great detail about the COVID-19 vaccine. I want you to listen to the word I'm going to use here, okay? Becoming the mark of the beast. Becoming the mark of the beast. In fact, in both of those updates we answer a number of questions regarding the current vaccine and the potential for this vaccine to ultimately, eventually, in and during the seven-year tribulation, become the mark of the beast. I truly believe it will become the mark of the beast during the seven-year tribulation. And both videos, we go in-depth into that. Now, we did those in January. And here we are now, and It's happening now. What's happening? Well, 
the increasing pressure to be vaccinated. Right now it's being incentivized. I'm, I'm hearing reports of people being offered financial compensation to take it. Now that's one side of it, but on the other side of it, there's also the incentive of, hey, you, you want your job back? Or you want to keep your job? You have to get vaccinated. You want your life back? You have to be vaccinated. You want to take that face diaper, I mean face mask off? <laughs> I'm sorry, I mean no disrespect to those who wear masks. I mean if you want to wear a mask, that's okay. This is the no mask shaming zone. I hope you know that. Last week, Mike Montgomery, a pastor friend of mine, sent me this Daily Wire article about how New Yorkers will have to show a COVID-19 passport in order to enter stadiums, theaters, and businesses. Here's some of what they had to say. Oh, by the way, I have, again, maybe Lord willing, next week, one of our elders sent me an article about this coming to Hawaii. Aloha. Have a nice afternoon. The plan establishes an Excelsior Pass, which will use secure technology, yeah right, to prove that a state resident has been vaccinated against COVID-19. Sites include in the rollout plan in Madison Square Garden and the Barclays Center, both sports and entertainment venues. Similar to a mobile airline boarding pass, individuals will be able to either print out their passes or store it on their smartphones using the Excelsior Passes wallet app. Each pass will have a secure QR code, which venues will scan using a companion app to confirm someone's COVID health status. The program is already underway, as the pass was tested at Tuesday night's New York Rangers hockey game at Madison Square Garden, according to a New York Post report. On Wednesday, the Times of Israel published a report stating that according to the CDC, fully vaccinated people can now gather without masks. Oh, here's a quote. Fully vaccinated Americans can gather with other vaccinated people indoors without wearing a mask or social distancing, according to long-awaited guidance from federal health officials. The guidance is designed to address a growing demand as more adults have been getting vaccinated and wondering if it gives them greater freedom to visit family members, travel, or do other things that they have done before the COVID-19 pandemic swept the world last year. In fact, it was last year this month. About 30 million Americans, or about 9% of the U.S. population, have been fully vaccinated with a federally authorized COVID-19 vaccine so far, according to the CDC. 30 million Americans. 
I have to confess that I'm a little taken back by that number. And I'm hoping that what I'm about to share with you will explain why. I had a number of online members send me this video titled, Shot in the Dark. It's a Daystar interview with Dr. Sherry Tenpenny. And I want to share with you a few excerpts. I'm hoping it'll answer some questions for you. I know it did for me. Quoting, first, regarding the number of vaccinations back in the 1980s. Last week I mentioned that it was over 70, not vaccines, but doses. But people my age, it was three to five vaccines. Children today will get over 27 vaccines, totaling a total of over 70 doses of these vaccines. So when she was asked about it, she said that up through 1985, there were only three different shots. 1991 is when they started ramping up the schedule, and that makes total sense when you look at what happened commencing in 1991. Talk more about that in a moment. She was asked about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. She said, what they've done with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine shot is they've actually taken a typical adenovirus that causes the cold and they've shelled it out. They've taken the genetic material of that adenovirus out from the inside and they've taken an already made spike protein and put it inside of the adenovirus shell in order to grow that and replicate it. To make it grow, they are using at least one and maybe two different types of tissue cells that come from aborted fetal tissue. I would prefer to call it aborted babies. One is called PCRC6, which comes from retinal tissues of previously aborted babies. And there's another one called HEK, we've talked about this, that comes from a kidney of a previously aborted baby. They have to have viruses in order to get a large enough quantity to manufacture a shot or a vaccine. They have to replicate it in living tissues. That's why those tissues are used. This protein, and they believe the antibodies also can cross the blood-brain barrier and get into the brain and attack at least three, if not four different types of tissue, types that were discovered by this group out of California who did the research. Also, one of the things that we just found out about is they're actually, get this, testing the Johnson & Johnson COVID-19 vaccine on infants and pregnant women. How is it possible? Or how is it legal to test it on a newborn when they can't give consent? Precisely the point. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. 
With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for Truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.